Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the weekly CEO briefing. We have a jam-packed, exciting briefing tonight. Um, our CFO, Prasad, will join us a bit later to give us an update on what he's been up to. And I think you'll find that very, very interesting. So while people are arriving, I'm going to go ahead and do the little, um, little you know, intro bit. And welcome to Heather, who's our interpreter. So what is new gold and helping you thrive in the world's only vital, scarce and recession-proof market? Now, you notice that we don't have dates anymore. And the reason for this is that um, we're starting to promote to places like Europe and right now it is um, 2 a.m. over there. So um, we're basically going to create, um, you, know, um, what's, you know, live webinars that are, you know, recorded webinars that happen later. So this is a way of dealing with it in an undated way. So that's the story there. And uh, of course, we have the Spanish um, language. Just simply click on the globe on your Zoom dialogue and you'll be able to do that. And of course, we have the usual uh, safe harbor statement, which is that we do our very best to tell you how it is, uh, but it may not work out the way we say. Okay, so first of all, uh, some news. Um, we got pulled into a crypto roundup with some hot shots. And um, this is on eCrypto News. So we're the bunch of traders and lawyers and um, you know chief innovation officers and all kinds of cool things like that. And um, basically, they wanted to know, you know, what is this the end of crypto? This was during the crash a few weeks ago. Um, well, it's not the end, of course, because we're transitioning our industry um, using digital currency. And, uh, you know, we've rolled out this water as a service concept, but it means we need to create a water coin for the world. And I'm going to cover this a little bit later where we stand with that. And that um, there's actually a way for, um, this self-governed water world community to take one of these tokens and um, you know, do what they can to help the world. And here we go with, this is the key, the difference between today and what I was trying to do back in 2018, which is that we're monetizing uh, water, which is being paid for by the gallon. So every single gallon has money attached to it. And that's key. But you've heard this story, so we'll move on. Um, also, we got mentioned in Forbes Argentina, excuse me, Forbes Argentina. This is a translation of this Spanish article. And our good friend and partner, Ivan, uh, tells a story about how he um, built equity and help into one of the top uh, fastest growing firms in the United States. And he, having done that, he decided to move on to social issues, one of them being water. And um, here he, you know, found uh, Origin Clear, and Philanthropic Investment in Water was born, and he is doing an amazing job with his team in helping us go out into his 14 countries um, outside of the U.S. and also do these very large capital deals to help these businesses cut the cord with municipalities and developing pay per gallon programs. So uh, great article. Thank you, Ivan. And um, he also makes the point that people who can invest should invest. <laughs> I agree 100%. Okay, so the water crisis. We've been seeing photos about this water crisis. And uh, Lake Oroville, for example, up in Northern California, 
uh, three years ago at the top, April of this year, and now just last week. Stunning. I mean, I would, <laughs> for people who have these boats, I mean, what are they going to do with these boats? But obviously the problem is not so much the boats. It's like um, they had to shut down the power plant because there was not enough water to cool the turbines. So uh, it's a real situation. We're actually 250 feet down. Uh, it's about a 900 foot deep lake, but now they're down to 655 and very close to the record low in 1977. So not great. And this has been going on for a while now. Now, um, I wanted to discuss our, you know, our own experience of what can be done because we, we've known about this for a while. So I, want, I pulled out of the archives an appearance I made at the American Renewable Energy Day in 2014, seven years ago, almost exactly seven, seven years ago. And um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play, um, oh, nice to have everyone here. Nice to see you, hello. Um, I'm gonna play a little video. We're just gonna invite a couple more guys to join us up here. We're gonna expand the conversation into uh, water and uh, some best practices. Uh, so if, uh, Bill, if you would introduce. So we're gonna be joined by Riggs Eckleberry of Origin Oil, Inc. and David Trickett of the Jefferson Circle. Um, please come up and join the conversation to expand it. Um, Riggs, uh, Riggs Eckleberry has a, a company called Origin Oil and they've come up with a very unique uh, technology that basically takes the five million gallons per well that we drill. And I'm gonna say that we have about 100,000 wells in the state of Colorado. I'm probably off a little bit, but, but pretty close. And a lot of them have been drilled in the last eight or 10 years. Some of them right over here in Rifle, Colorado, near where we live. And uh, we use about five million gallons, I believe, correct That's me right. if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. per, per well. And then uh, apparently uh, that, that water comes back out and it's full of heavy metals and all kinds of stuff. Um, and it gets carted off at about $8 a barrel. Is that right? It varies by region, but it's expensive. Okay. So your technology basically uh, takes that water, removes uh, those uh, metals, et cetera, and then they reuse it. Is that right? Right. So there's, a, of course, a range of options. Sometimes in Colorado, it's got to be returned to fully potable. Uh, or it can be cleaned up to the level that it can be reused in the, the next frack shot, for example. Um, and so theoretically, especially if you're getting water coming out of the formation, you can actually make that well independent of outside water supplies. Because uh, as you know, there's, there's often plentiful water that comes out of the aquifers as well. Right. Now I have a, um, a presentation I thought I would make to- When you say out of the aquifer. <clears throat> out of formation, out of formation, thank you. Uh, well, uh, on that issue of, of, of 5 million gallons per well in a water-constrained west, where drought is upon us in California, et cetera, it seems like a pretty good idea to try to conserve as much water as we can. When you were talking about conserving water, you know, Carstner just said, Andy did, was talking about how much of our energy that we lose. And it, when you look around, pardon me for interrupting sure. you, but, but I mean, it, it's a good idea to conserve everything all resources. I mean, that, that shouldn't be axiomatic. Well, the reason I bring it up, and I think that uh, David can speak to this, is there's, I think, uh, a lot of friction between the parties around this fracking issue. Uh, and people tend to dig in on their various positions and so forth. And it's our position that if the oil industry can uh, address this proactively, 
there's going to actually be perhaps a lowering of the temperature and the ability to, to work together. As you may know, the Hoover Dam has been dropping down. This is just in one year. Now, here's what it looks like. Um, that's uh, in June 16, 2013, and this is just one year later. Are you fracking out of that? Oh, no. This is just to show where the Colorado watershed's going. Okay. So the thank God we're not fracking out of Lake Mead. But um, <laughs> so what we have here is a 13-month drop, and of course, it's from a low level already. So there's clearly uh, troubles with the Colorado watershed, and uh, the Ogallala, as you know, Boone, is, is, um, is threatened as well because there's the big drought of 2012 and, and it has not been alleviated. We have parts of the Ogallala that are going to getting quite low, and it, uh, it is not recharging fast enough. So groundwater is an issue uh, in the West, but also in the Midwest. Now, here's the interesting slide uh, by Ceres where they show that so many of our fracking operations are in stressed environments. A stressed environment is one that already has 80% of the water being used for other uses, uh, so it makes for competition. So fracking is competing in these various areas um, with other users, and many of these areas, like the gray ones, are arid to start with. We also know that overall fracking use is low. As a percentile, here's Colorado. Uh, and it shows that hydraulic fracturing is 0.08% uh, of total use, um, agriculture being the biggest at 85%. Uh, percent. Now, the issue... Does that take in metropolitan? It's Colorado overall, yes, sir. Here's the issue, and we see this in Texas. Local stress can be very high. We have Carnes, for example, 213% uh, proportion of fracturing, fracturing used to domestic. We have in... Uh, Erie uh, County, small population, of course, but they're at all, almost 3,000%. So this can create local stresses. And why is this important? Well, there's people live there, and they get concerned. Um, Texas is, is, is pro-fracking, of course, but I think we have to be mindful of the stresses on the population. And here's another one, where populations <laughs> are growing in the arid regions, all these circled areas are major growth areas for population in the very same areas. And what you am know I? why they're growing. Well, they're growing because it's a great climate, for starters. It's growing because of oil and gas and in those too. areas are so active and employing so many people. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's Man, a very good point. Uh, you've been in the middle of Texas lately. You wouldn't believe it if you hadn't been there in 10 years. Well, we have an office in Houston, and I agree that Texas is doing very well. But, for example, California, which has not yet had a fracking boom, is growing. The point is, fracking is, is a boom, uh, but so is, you know, the weather in Florida, the weather in California. These people are migrating to nice yeah, places. that's right. Okay. Now, this is the point. If you have a growing population and stressed aquifers, fracking operators are under what I call a perfect storm, right? It's a PR situation that they have to recognize. And, and our experience at Orange Oil has been that um, operators would just rather it just go away. So it's not going to. I think we need to be proactive. All right, so the good news is recycling uh, with a whole new generation of technologies like ours is becoming chemical free and, and much more efficient. Uh, we can save on truck trips. There's excess water that can be piped to farmers. It's happening in the Imperial Valley right now where Chevron is piping water 
into, uh, that's not regulated Colorado water. And finally, there's more and more waterless fracking, which can do about a third of the job. And there's savings available. This is a spreadsheet which you can get from our company, which, um, depending on the scenario, you can save a lot of money on your water if you recycle. That's a win-win. Conclusion is, of course, is that we can dramatically mitigate the perceived impact of fracking on stressed water supplies with these proactive measures, and that's my point. Okay, what's the name of your company? That we Origin buy Oil. Okay, what's the symbol? O-O-I-L. Thank what's you. It, what's it selling for? Oh, we're a micro, <laughs> we're a micro cap. We're a micro cap, and we're a technology company, so we're freely licensing our technology to all comers. We're, we're kind of like Android versus iOS, you know. You don't have to buy the platform. You can have the technology and pay for it on the back end. Uh, but that was um, T. Boone Pickens, the late T. Boone Pickens. Uh, he, was, he passed away a couple of years after that. Um, and of course, he was um, a great proponent of, of oil, fracking, et cetera. I mean, he was a, he was a legend in his own time. Um, but so what came of all this? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I play this back and I, I know it's fuzzy. I, I'm sorry, but it is an old clip. But um, I play this back to say, you know, we've, we've been trying to do something about this for a long, long time. And what happened? So uh, a couple of years later, we uh, ramped up our technology and supported our licensee in, in California. And in fact, that was that famous video where my brother Nicholas drank the water that we cleaned and it was so cool. And it was actually driven. We didn't say so at the time because we, we wanted to keep it cool with the oil industry, but um, there had been an, a court injunction to treat the water. Up until then, this cooperative, who shall go unnamed, um, was sprinkling the oil production water on the hillsides. Therefore, that's why all the groundwater in California has got petroleum in it. Um, and we know we we proved the technology worked. We we were getting commitments for ramp up. It was fantastic, and then um, boom, entire oil industry got its waiver. They didn't have to do any of it, and this is the problem. Um, there's when you work from the top down to license technology. First of all, you're dealing with very slow adoption. You know the water industry takes twelve to fifteen years to adopt new tech. Then you've got these issues with governments. Um, as a licensor, we had very little control. And so really ground top down is not the way. And that was the lesson we learned. So, um, you know, by 2018, I was working already on ground up solutions, the decentralized way to go. Um, in fact, in 2016, I wrote that article um, that really started telling the story about decentralization that has become such an important trend now. So um, our answer is ground up. Now, um, part of that answer is the, um, and I'm, and I'm going I'm to quickly play the video again that, that some of you may have missed um, that tells the current uh, focus. And this is the, the third wave of what we do Remember that the first wave is our standard business, which I'll be reporting on shortly. It's doing very well. Second wave, the second um, um, ripple outward, shall we say, is water on demand, pre-funded water systems, which is also doing great. And I'll give you an update on that. And the third one is community building so that everybody in the world can participate. Let's play this and you'll see where I'm going with this.
At the end of the day, water is what we care about, all of us. We better care about it because without water, three days later you're dead. A lot of water is dirty, creating illnesses, viruses, long-term chronic illness, you name it. So we need to be, all of us, working in water, not just a select few. And many, many people feel that way. I get constant emails from people saying, what can you do about water? How can you do things for Flint, Michigan, all these things, right? That is the mission of all of us, is to do something about water. Well, we've come up with an idea to involve everybody and to empower everybody. And it uses this cool new thing called cryptocurrency. Why cryptocurrency? Because crypto has no boundaries. If you have a cryptocurrency network, a grandmother in Korea could have an effect on a mobile home park in Alabama. No boundaries, frictionless, and it really means that everyone could get involved. So what are we talking about here? We are looking at a basic community coin, a water coin that we've called Clear Aqua. People like you and me will notice problems and go, wow, we gotta do something about that trailer park in Alabama, right? Let's do something about that. Clear Aqua is a representative democracy. You don't want the entire planet to be speaking, kind of overwhelming the system. So there's a very good way that certain very successful cryptos have already adopted, which is a delegate system. These are called delegates or witnesses, and what these people do is just like the US Congress or the British Parliament, these people represent the membership. And now these delegates, these what we call witnesses, take these concerns and work with the governing body to create proposals. Now, at the same time, you need the money. So where does the money come from? There's a second coin we call dollar H2O. Now that coin is a purely investment coin. Accredited investors, meaning people who meet a certain threshold of wealth, invest in this coin that then gets put into these water projects that get delivered. These water projects make money and they return dividends to the same investors in the form of a coin that is really pure money. It is a, an investment grade token, and that's the other side of it. So we have a two token universe. So on one hand, the water coin for the world, everybody you know, plays with Clear Aqua, and it's, it's a consensus coin, and it, it, it lets people do something about the state of the water in the world. And then on the other side, the capital for it, which is really unlimited. And in the middle of it, you have the governing body, which is a trustee to make sure it's all done right. Now this governing body is an interesting thing. It is there to be the trustee for all these projects and it also licenses some of the best technology so that it can in turn make it available for the use of many water companies. So it's not just one water company that's got the dominant thing. Remember, we're talking about the entire planet here. There is no way that one company or even 20 is gonna change a trillion dollar water industry in any meaningful way unless we widely spread the burden, the help, the resources, the investment. So all these things add up to where we're dramatically improving the state of the water by helping businesses cut the cord and doing their own water treatment. I strongly believe in this, many, many people do, and I'd like you to join us too. Thank you.
Rick says, great foresight. Bravo. Thank you, sir, very much. All right. Um, and uh, in fact, Rick is the helping us develop the new coin. So what I wanted to do was give you an update as to where things stand with the Clear Aqua coin. And, um, and then we'll follow up with what's happening commercially with our core business. So here is the situation right now. Um, we have a bid from a very powerfully, you know, a well-established um, uh, crypto developer. And um, they uh, were looking at a uh, white paper being done in less than probably next two weeks at this point. Creation, um, the um, token creation, 30 days away. We have a grand total of about 60 days to get the whole thing done. So that's great. That gets the token done. But you don't just launch a token. You have to do all kinds of influencer marketing, et cetera. And we're focusing on Clear Aqua, the community token, primarily because um, it, it's, it's kind of drives the whole train. Uh, the H2O coin, which is the packaging of dividends, well, we can, we can, we can distribute dividends through the regular way via uh, ACH. We don't have to do it with a coin right away. So that is a nice to have that will be good, but it's not essential. This is what's important, we think. So that's what's going on with that. And it's moving very quickly. Um, I'm not bugging the rest of the company on this. I'm running this project personally with, as I said, our good uh, friend, Rick Garcia, who's advising on that. Okay, so um, meanwhile, in our core business, as you know, I previously had told you that there were uh, marginal water systems took off. Um, you know, 150% of its entire year last year in just the first half, progressive water treatment, also a lot of business. So a run rate potentially of oh, more than 5 million annually. Remember, these are orders, not revenue, because those are, you know, milestones and so forth. Okay. Um, and Ivan calls the dollar is to clear dividends. I like that. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. All right. So, um, now, here's the big news. We just signed that contract with the major power utility for three projects totaling $5 million. POs are issues, issued, and we are going to review now the um, statement of work. So you can see kind of what it's about. So I'm not going to go um, too deeply into this, but um, what we have here is... Um, course, it's all redacted because until this thing is uh, commissioned and in existence, the, the, um, the power plant operator will not want to be um, you know, disclosed, just how it is. Three power plants, and um, there's uh, all these terms for delays, this, that, and the other thing. I'll move on. Here we go, pricing. So um, the first one is um, total of one point. 8 million. The second one is total of 4.4 million. And the third one is 2.28 million. And I can tell you, we did not expect that third one. That was a mind bender. So um, now, as I mentioned a, a couple weeks ago, we're looking at some interesting terms, 5% with PO. Well, that means that we have to finance things. And the good news is, is that Prasad, our CFO, who's about to, who's about to speak, um, has been helping develop our ability to do accounts receivable financing so we can survive a $5 million project and not die. So that is great news. And the rest of it is more um, 
small print. So that's the story there. And um, it's going very, very well. And I'm very proud of the team. Now I'm going to ask uh, the wild man, Prasad, to jump on board. Hello, my friend. You're, you're muted, my friend. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, perfect. Uh, silence evening. is golden, but not on my briefings. I'm not sorry. on the Zoom calls. I agree. Good <laughs> evening, everybody. <laughs> Good to see you. Good. Now, quickly, before we do this, uh, Jerry said, can you do well systems in individual homes whose water has these forever chemicals, rural North Carolina? And the answer is, we don't currently scale down to houses. It's a whole different game. It's a mass market thing. We currently work with uh, industrial. What we have done is, is we've implemented water as a service, or we are implementing water as a service for, for the smaller sector, which is um, $100,000 to, to $2 million systems, which nobody's doing. We are the first, we're the pioneers. Going below that, to the $10,000, $15,000 system, there's a very good player called Fuji Water that has an excellent system that, uh, that I would recommend. Uh, and for now, we're not, we're just, for matters of focus, we're just not doing it. And so that's the answer on that. Uh, Prasad, I'm going to put your presentation on screen. And sure. Um, you have the podium. Thank you. Thank you. So let's go to the first slide. So it's been uh, almost two months, Riggs. You know, it's been busy, you know, exciting. We have, we have a great team. For my focus um, to everybody on this call has been obviously first and foremost, understanding the business and the company, both on the corporate side as well as PWT. Uh, the second area I've been busy with is obviously understanding the equity administration area. That's the area, as we all know, we have a lot of volume, we have a lot of complexity, and um, that's one of the key significant processes needs attention because of, you know, who we are. And last but not the least, which is, <clears throat> again, very fundamental to our investors and the, the public confidence is the financial reporting process. So that means taking a look at the existing processes, you know, how we close the month, what can we do to enhance the efficiencies and the effectiveness of our financial reporting to the shareholders. If we can move to the next slide, please. Okay, so with the preliminary assessment, what I would, I mean, we generally have an idea, but it's, it's very evident, you know, from the walkthroughs I've done that because of the equity administration and because of the transactions, the volume, you know, it's complex and it's also manual intensive. So our goal is to basically make this less manual intensive so we can use automation and rely on the system more than manual. Um, the second obvious thing from the walkthroughs is that we need formal review and control procedures, which is focused not only on the timeliness of how we get things done, but also verifying the accuracy of the transactions because that actually then ultimately impacts financial reporting, the timing, and we do not want to have any delays any further. So I would say these, these two things has been the core focus of um, my review so far. What's being done? So I'm doing detailed walkthroughs with all the core members and we have a, we have a very strong team, Briggs. Um, what we're doing with the walkthroughs is I'm taking all the core 
transactions or functions or areas, however you want to call it, or processes, right from the stage, initiation stage, taking it to the authorization stage, how is it recorded in the GL, and then how does it end up into reporting? So that's the bit typical, you know, the flow of financial transactions. And right now I'm focused mostly on equity because that's again our most significant area. So these detailed walkthroughs then give, gives you uh, the ability to assess the existing control design. You know, do we have strong control designs? Do we have something partially designed well, but we need something more, you know, to be able to get a robust control in place. And through that, I'm then able to basically assess what are the control gaps, if you will, and suggest recommendations, which will, again, improve the effectiveness and efficiency of the process. The focus of this exercise and the walkthroughs is geared towards seeing what are we doing well, what can we do better, but more importantly, what can we do effectively as well as efficiently? And that's where the time savings uh, are going to play a big role. Next one. Okay, uh, continued on the topic of what is being done is also the documentation of all the formal control procedures. We will have all the, the procedures established with clearly identifying who's responsible for what, who's preparing, who's reviewing. Again, keeping the focus of segregation of duties in mind, which is extremely fundamental to the foundation of an internal control framework for any public company. Uh, last but not the least, again, I touched on the automation earlier. Uh, the review of QuickBase is extremely important. So we are actually in, in, in the process of reviewing that and the testing of the system is planned you know, in, in, the, in the very uh, near future. The, op the objective and the goal is obviously to take the redundancies or the manual processes away so that we can rely on the system. So our main focus is gonna be making sure how do we know that the data going into the system, how the data generated by the system is accurate and complete. So some testing is going to be done in the next few weeks on that system. And that will get us to a place where, you know, we can calculate something like dividends automatically. We can cut down a lot of time and take, make use of the efficiencies of the automation. Okay, quick update on the quarterly SEC filing. So we filed the Q1 last week and right after that, we actually moved into Q2. The, the Q2 procedures are in progress right now. Good news is that some of the early observations from my walkthroughs and review have already been implemented and we have seen a significant improvement in the turnaround time of schedules going to the controller first and from the controller to the external accountant, which, which basically then generates all the journal entries and which eventually forms part of the financial reporting process. So we are not there yet. We have seen a significant improvement, but we will get there pretty soon. You know, we are not perfect yet, but we are, we are completely on the, um, we were definitely on the money when it comes to putting all these processes in place. Next one. And I would like to wrap it up by saying that, you know, just to give you a glimpse of what are my objectives for Q3 and Q4, like by, by the end of Q3, Q4, I would like to identify all the key processes and controls, you know, and document it thoroughly so that Again, duties, responsibilities, controls are fully understood and identified by the team and the people working on you know, the transactions. Uh, obviously, our goal is Q3 fully, fully, you know, not waiting till the last day, but filed extremely timely with all the control procedures implemented. And by that, what I mean is 
making sure that the month-close checklists are in place. You know, all of the disclosure checklists have been reviewed, signed off. You know, schedules have been reviewed and signed off. And each of these schedules clearly shows the segregation of duties, which would then gives which then gives confidence to the auditors in terms of the independence and the objectivity of the financial data, and obviously to, to you shareholders as well. Um, last but not the least, the overall overarching objective of this whole process is that we want to make sure that control procedures are operating effectively. We are approaching this whole exercise, uh, keeping in mind the Sarbanes-Oxley regulation, which is so that we have a huge you know, advantage and you know, benefit so that we think through this now, so that when the time comes where we, you know, are maybe needing SOX compliant, or maybe we are expected to have formal control procedures more than what we expected now, we are there and we are not scrambling, you know, to get there later. So all of this is being done, keeping that in mind. Like how would a proper SOX compliant public company report to its shareholders. So that's that's the overarching objective with all of these exercises. And this is the time to put all of this in place because we are growing. You know, you just saw a huge order. We need all of these controls in place so that we can sustain the growth as well as all of the other initiatives we have planned. So I think we are on the right track. Um, we have a great team. What we were missing was formal controls and documentation, which is actually being put in place right now. And I'm really excited for Q3, which is going to be to, done to the T. That, that's my goal. Well, that's uh, a great report and uh, I appreciate all the facts and figures. Um, so basically, um, I, I love that you have been able to, without you know upsetting the apple cart because things were pretty, um, you know, complicated, uh, mm -hmm. um, very almost spaghetti, you might say, because we were just overwhelmed on our on our on our, pr our processes. And mm -hmm. um, I also like that you've been able to work with John Peraza uh, very closely here in Clearwater. So yeah. um, I I think that um, and here's what's really important is that we were just looking at a term sheet today for a significant investment. Um, um, by a, an institution to help us make acquisitions. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely had to know that we had our procedures in place. I mean, that yeah. without that, yeah. nothing was going to happen. Without that, nothing, yeah. That's yeah. going to be the most, the basic thing people are going to look at is that what kind of controls, what kind of control framework, you know, are you operating off of? And it becomes such a core and fundamental part of the business that, you know, you, you can't miss it. And I think we are going in the right direction. Well, my friend, thank you very much. It's been um, it's been great, and uh, you're you're popular, by the way, with the funds that we talk to. So this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They tell me, thank oh, we love Prasad. We love Prasad. I'm like, okay, chill out. That's good news. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> well, Rick, thank you so much, uh, okay. and thank you everybody for having me. Uh, if anybody has any questions, they can feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Fantastic. Uh, Prasad, thank you so much and uh, keep up the good work. We'll catch up with you in a couple months and uh, things better be perfect. Sure. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, my friend. All right. So here we go. We're going to um, um, do something very, very interesting, which is, um, and this is another thing that really requires that 
that we have our act together. I'm going to move on. These are the usual reports on our fundings, but here's the important news. We're expanding the Series V to $300 million. Remember, it was $20 million. Why? Well, our portal marketing firm, which is called Manhattan Street Capital, wants to go after small funds in the $100 million range for investments in the $10 million range or whatever. And um, it's uh, so we've, we have now incentives in the offering for early investment. So um, you, um, dear investor, can get involved with this. And um, it is, uh, as I said here, it's, it's got not 100% redemption. It's more now. The warrant leverage remains. Senior creditor status remains. And the 25% of net profits remains. Now, let me show you what that looks like on the spreadsheet now. Very interesting. So here's $300 million. And thank you to our friend Manuel for doing the work on this. And we no longer have, <laughs> now we're, we're, we're building 602 machines uh, by year three and a half. Obviously not all us. This will be an industry consortium. It'll be, we'll do a small fraction of this because you don't, you don't build this kind of capacity overnight. But um, what's important to see here is the economics. So the economics are, again, we have 300 million up here and we generate, I mean, it, it theoretically be more if we could literally invest it all day one, but it's gonna take literally three and a half years uh, into the middle of the third year or two and a half years to um, build it all at the very least. And so 300 million turns into $6 billion uh, in gross revenues. That's rents. Remember that these are, we're, we're keeping these machines in the subsidiaries. So you have a series of subsidiaries called water demand, number one, two, three, four, five. The machines stay in those subsidiaries. It creates a huge asset base for us. And this is without any of the financial leverage that you could do with $300 million. And believe me, there's leverage you can do. And then um, the uh, investors who get all kinds of other benefits, um, you know, major return on the stock, the warrants, but also half a billion dollars in, in profit shares. And then Origin Clear gets $2 billion at the drops to the bottom. That is a very nice uh, package and we're very pleased with how it looks. I won't spend too much time on this, but we've, we've priced out you know, how much per gallon, uh, the price, the rental revenues, et cetera, size of machines, all that good stuff. That's all been done. And so now we're, we're attracting investors and, and we are actively in discussions with investors right now. So this is, as this begins to happen, it's gonna transform our business for revenue but also for assets, because remember, these are wholly owned subsidiaries of our own. The machines do not leave our ownership. They're merely put out there to work for a paper gallon contract. And so we get an asset base, which is what we have needed for a long, long time um, to eventually get on the NASDAQ. So that's very exciting stuff. And um, Ken has the full picture on this. He knows exactly what's going on. He's been available. He's been involved deeply in helping to craft it. The new Series V is launching in the next few days. And just in time, we think, for some uh, investors to come in. So that's a wonderful thing. And um, I would like to thank everyone for coming tonight. It's been a good little uh, presentation, a bit long, but I think you'll, you'll agree that it was worth it. So um, I'm just going to check somebody. Um, Rick says, wow, thank you. And then uh, Jerry, uh, yes, we'll, we'll get you the, the name of that company. 
It's called Fuji Water, um, Japanese, but I will, uh, we will also get you that information. So everyone, thank you so much for being on board. Uh, we will have, these things are so exciting. I want you guys to show up and pass the word. We'd love having you on board again. Have a great evening. Enjoy your weekend. And I really appreciate all the support you give. You guys and gals are amazing for us. And so I'm now going to turn off the video, leave it on for a few more moments so that the translation can catch up. And um, remember that there's a Spanish version for those of you who care. And there's a replay after that will have the videos in full fidelity so that you can see if it was very fuzzy, you can see how it was. Again, thank you to Prasad for appearing on, on the show. And uh, let's party on. Have a good night.